That's the way I was planning on singing it too, Gary. I just didn't notice when I put it in the proclaim that it tagged that on as a chorus. It is my fault. I'm okay with it. <laughs> One mistake, all right. <laughs> you probably heard this, the story of the newlyweds, speaking of the one mistake. They were back in the early 1800s and they got married and they had a horse and buggy out waiting for them when they came out of the wedding ceremony. And they got in and the horse started acting up and the husband sits there very, very calm. He said, that, that's once. And uh, they get in the buggy and go and they're, they're going out to their cabin where they live. And halfway to the, to the place they're going to cross the creek and the horse won't go across the creek. So he has to get the buggy whip out and whip the horse a little bit and gets him across the creek. He goes, that's twice. And they get to the house and the horse starts acting up right, at, right in front of the front door of the house. And the husband reaches under the seat, pulls out a 12-gauge shotgun, <laughs> shoots that horse in the back of the head. Dead in a doornail. The wife goes, what are you doing? The husband goes, that's once. <laughs> All right, take your Bible and turn to Isaiah 45. So two more mistakes and... (laughs) We're going to look into chapter 46 some tonight too. But to begin with, I want to read verse 22 through 25 of Psalms 40, or Isaiah 45. I titled the message, Look Unto Me, and I, I just want to talk about uh, our understanding of God. And, and as, I, as I looked at this passage, our understanding of Him directly impacts our worldview. It is, it is going to be how we look at the world. When we get a real, true understanding of God, it changes everything. Um, and uh, so, starting in verse 22, we'll read down through verse 25. It says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, In the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are licensed against him, or incensed against him, shall be ashamed. In in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be glorified, justified and shall glory. Look unto me, it says in verse 22, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I want to look at at my three points tonight are the gods of this world, and we'll we'll see that in in chapter 46 just a little bit tonight, and then uh, the enemies of God and the true God. And uh, I don't think I'll keep you long tonight, but we need to look at this again and get the right worldview. We have to keep our focus on Him. Young people, you need the right worldview. It doesn't matter how successful you are or what you, what you become, you know, what your profession is, if you have the wrong worldview. If you understand who God is and you follow Him, your life is a success and, and it glorifies God. Let's pray first. And we'll look at these things. Father, I just praise you for your love and mercy again. It is, it is uh, truly wonderful to be here tonight. I praise you for each one. Thank you for their faithfulness. And uh, the, 
the love that you've given us here uh, for one another. And, and Father, we, we just want to praise you for that. Ask you, Lord, to protect that and keep us unified, keep us focused on you. Lord, use your word tonight. We want to praise you that you are the one and only, uh, the one and only I am, Father, and help us to live our life uh, with that idea, with that, with that conviction in our heart. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So it said, look unto me, in verse 22, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And like I said, our understanding of God will change the way we live. And, and the stronger our faith grows, the more we, uh, more we depend upon Him. The more we think on God and think on His Word, the more we trust in Him, the more our faith grows. And, and it's so necessary to have a right understanding of Him. Uh, most of religion today has, has, has skewed our understanding of God. And we fit him into the box that we want him to fit into, and it's more comfortable that way than we can live our life however we want. And we, we start making gods of our own, and that's what it comes down to. And so go with me to chapter 46, and we'll read verse 5 through 8. It's some interesting verses here when you consider when we, when we have a different view of God than what the Bible presents, this is what we're doing. Whether it's literally making an idol or not, although there are idols all around the world, this is what we're doing to God. We weaken who He is, we take away His power, we take away His influence, and we, and we make it our own. We make the power ours. Verse 5 says, To whom will ye liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be like they lavish gold out of the bag, and weigh silver in the balance, and hire a goldsmith, and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder, they carry him, and set him in his place. And he standeth. From his place shall he not remove. Yea, one shall cry unto him, yet he cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. <laughs> Remember this, and show yourselves, show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. He, he points out who their gods are. You, you take out the things that are precious to you, the gold and the silver, and you hire someone to fashion this, this god like you want it to be. You make it look like you want it to look. You make it the size that you can afford. You, you, you fit it into your life. And then it says, and an interesting thing, you carry this god. You bear it over here and set it on its podium and there it stays. And it's there for your convenience. It doesn't interfere in your life. When you need it, you go back to it and you pray to it. You bow down to this God. You cry unto it. And obviously the Bible says it doesn't hear, it doesn't speak, it doesn't answer. But it is, it is the God that we make it like we want it to be. And we put him where we want him to be. So it's just that part of my life. It doesn't have to be all-consuming in my life. It can just be a part of it. And that's where religion is today. God is just this, just this thing that we've set aside and so we can say we're good, we're going to go to heaven someday. But I can live my life the way I want to. I can change this God into the image that I want it to be. And so it makes me comfortable and makes me happy. This God cannot move cannot hear, does not see, 
is made by man. How often do we do that ourselves? If I take the Word of God and I read it, and there's something in there that I don't like, and I reject it, I've just made my own God. If I've decided that there's something in there that I can't accept, then I've made God to fit into what I want Him to fit into. So I've done exactly what they said here. I've taken out what I want and fashioned it the way I want it to be. It's, it's a selfish thing. And when we, when we get right down to uh, the, the base of all of this, it is that I am my own God. Because I get to determine who He is. I get to determine what He does and how He does it. And so I'm my own God. Flesh rules. It, it, it controls my life. And when we take religion, when we take the Word of God and we make it a... a uh, I'm going to pick on Joel Olstein because the man is a heretic. And the Bible says we can call him out. He teaches that the Bible is there to give us success in this life. That is not your walk with God. If you're walking with God so that your life is good tomorrow and you can be successful, have a good job, and, uh, and, and be well respected in the community, then you've taken and made a God of your own. And that's where our religion is so much today. It's, it's earth-centric. It's success-centric. It's, it's this idea that I'm going to be successful and happy if I follow the teaching of the Word of God. Now, you will. But you've got to follow the Word of God and be willing to have your life shaped according to it. God promises peace and joy in that. But so many times we get it backwards. We get it completely turned around in religion today. And it's, and it's so prevalent in America. That because I've gotten religion, now my life is going to be better. It's going to be on the right track. I give my heart and soul to God because He's worthy. I give my heart and soul to God because He's holy and all-powerful. Not so that I can be successful. So what the Bible says, in this life we can expect tribulation. We can expect trouble. We can expect persecution. When we walk with God, the world is going to hate us. If I'm successful in this world and all the world loves me, I need to go back and see who my God is. We've fashioned this God to be like what, he, what we want Him to be. And we all have to be careful in this. This God has got to be carried. He can't hear you or see you. He can't do anything for you. He's weak because He's made by man. So the gods of this world, and, and there's so much more in the Bible about it. The Bible says we are to worship God and Him alone. No idol is to be taking your attention away from the Lord. Go back with me in verse 9 through 10 of chapter 45, and we see the enemies of God. Verse 9 says, Woe unto him that striveth with his Maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? Or thy work? He hath no hands. 
Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, What hast thou brought forth? There's some, there's some, there's some curses put here. Uh, there's condemnation proclaimed on those who strive with their maker. It's, it's the one that is not satisfied or not willing to submit to the word of God. You are the enemy of God if you cannot accept what this Bible says. And if you're going to get the pure word of God, you need to go with the King James Version in the English language. When you open it up and you read it, you can, you can know that everything said in it is right. But if I am discontent or I'm angry with God for something that's going on in my life, I'm saying unto my maker, what are you doing? Why have you done this? And the Bible says, woe unto that person. The discontentment in our life, we are questioning God and we're angry at Him. Matthew chapter 25, go with me there please. Matthew chapter 25. Thirty-one through forty-six, Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one through forty-six. Matt, you didn't do your job. <laughs> I told him in Sunday school that a pet peeve of mine is when a preacher gives a reference but not the verse. He says, "Go to Matthew twenty-five," and then he says the verse right as he starts reading it, and you're always on the wrong page. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to do that to people, and I find that the more I stand up here, the worse I'm getting at it. So I told Matt said he would throw a hymnal at me if I did it, so I was waiting. Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 46. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable. I'm in 24. Uh, that does not sound right at all. You can throw him to let me. That's twice. <laughs> I do. <laughs> all right, Matthew 25:31. Let's try that again. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when we saw thee, and hungered, and, and fed thee, or when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When we saw thee a stranger, I can't read, when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. 
Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed in everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when, we, when saw we thee an hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. This is an interesting story, and we see the division in, in God's mind here. The enemies of God, those who are self-centered, those who are not willing to serve and, 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 and uh, be kind to one another. He said, listen, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Those are the sheep, the goats, they're going to be separated, they're going to be set off on the side, and it says, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into a life eternal. When we decide that we can discern our own way, when we decide that we're okay and we can do what we want, when we make gods of ourselves, we're the goats. It says that he's going to set us off to the right hand, they're off to the side, and he's going to separate them and they shall go away into everlasting punishment. The enemy of God faces this. Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, chapter one. Eight and nine. Chapter one, verse eight and nine. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and then obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's the woe that's being pronounced back in Isaiah. If you, if you strive with the Master, if you say, why did you make me this way? Discontentment in the life is saying that you are not right. What you have done is wrong. I don't believe that you truly are God. I've decided that I can fashion what I want and make you as I think you should be. Because this, this life you've given me is not what I think it should be. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe, that, maybe, it's, maybe it's an ability that God has given us or maybe has given someone else that we would like to see in our own life. Some source of discontentment. Why have you made me this way? If I think I can question him, I don't believe he's God. Now I know as a Christian we can have these times. We can falter in our faith and we can, we can question God. I'm not trying to say if you've questioned God this week you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to be careful in that we keep the right view of who he is. When he brings the difficult times into my life, he's still God. When he brings the good time in my life, he's still God. If I have decided to question him, then I'm wanting to change who he is into what's comfortable for me. I'm going to say, Maker, why are you doing this? I think I know better. This would go better if we did it this way. Our children will sometimes say that. 
But why can't we do it this way? Well, because I'm your dad, and I told you to begin with. And secondly, because I know what I'm talking about in this situation. I've been there and I've done that a few times. And I want you to do it the right way. We do that to God, do we not? And it's taking our desires and bringing them out and putting them on a shelf and fashioning God the way we want Him to be. So it's that God that we make of our own abilities sits there and doesn't move. and We have to carry Him over there. He's weak and He's useless and He's not a God. So we can, have, we can be uh, the enemy of God. We can fashion God's of our own desires, or we can turn to the true God. Look unto me, it says in verse 22 of 45, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Look unto me. Verse 3 of chapter 46 says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age I am he, and even to the whorehairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear you, even I will carry and will deliver you. I love the contrast in that. That God that you make for our, of your own or that we make of ourselves, we have to carry and put him somewhere. He, he can't even get up and walk. This says that the true God who made me has bore me from the womb and unto the hoary head till the hair is gray and falling out. And to the end of my life, He will carry me. That's, a, that's, that's the complete opposite of what we see if we make our own. Want to, be, want to be carried by God, or do you want to carry your God? Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Thirty-two, one through four. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not yet. Deuteronomy thirty-two, verses one through four says, "Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak; and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth." My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. We see Moses speaking here, and then he says this, He is the rock. He is the rock. The sure foundation. Nothing moves the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Look unto me, the rock. Look unto me who is judgment and truth and without iniquity, just and right in all that he does. What a powerful verse. You know, Moses has seen a lot of things. God led him through a lot of things. Saw the power of God. I've... I've dreamed as a little kid of standing on the edge of the Red Sea and watching the waters part and what that must have been like. 
And imagine being Moses standing up above it with the rod and watching the water part and seeing the power of God and then walk through on dry ground. Moses, when he spoke of God, he had some experience. He had seen the power of God. He knew what he did was right and just. Someday, I would have, uh, we're never going to get to do it, but it would have been fun to stick your hand in the wall of water. Can I walk in with my hand in there? As a little kid, I definitely would have been tempted. Can I stick my hand in there? Can I catch a fish? What it, what it must have been like, was it just this straight, solid wall of water set off to the side? Or was it rolling and moving? And I don't know, but just when Moses spoke of the power of God, he had seen some amazing things. Water come out of a rock, manna come out of heaven. Quail come down till it was this deep, and the people, they were sick of it. It was coming out of their nose and their mouth, it said. Started to smell because of the power of God. He walked up into the mountain and he was faced, he, he spoke to God. Came back with his face glowing. And this is what he says about him. This is the song of Moses. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth without iniquity. Just and right is he. Everything that he does is right. Verse 6 in that passage says, do ye, the, do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought thee? Hath not, he not made thee and established thee? Do you question the Lord? O you foolish children. Do you question him? Do you want him to be different than he is? Do you think you know more than him? Everything that he does is right. Psalms chapter 146, and we're going to read the entire chapter. Psalms 146. Verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He, re he relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Verse 5 is, is a great verse of strength. Happy is, the, is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Happy. It's content. It's satisfied. It's provided for. Contentment. What did Paul say? I've found in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Why? Because God was his help. Because he had a worldview that was dictated by an understanding of who God was. 
So go through the trials and the tribulations and the persecutions that Paul went through and say, I've found myself content in everything. Whatever situation I'm in, in prison, I'm content. Because he is my help. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That is our hope. That is our strength. Verse 10, the Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Then Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 18. Hebrews 6, 18. Just wanted to bring out this thought again. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for Him to be wrong. So when we question Him, if I question what God is doing in my life, I am always wrong. Every single time. He has never lied. He's never been wrong. It's impossible for him. It goes against his character and what he is. He is the source of all truth. He is the source of all wisdom and all strength. Everything that he does is perfect. So then I live my life to glorify him. Not to be successful in this life. Not to be content in this life. I wonder if sometimes I make too much emphasis of contentment. It is in the life of Christ, but he's, it is His will for you. But your will should not be that. Your will should be to glorify God. Your will is to, to glorify Him in everything that you say and do. Lord, my life is Yours. You are God, and I, and I know that You are right. And so tomorrow I'm going to stand and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to stand and I'm going to lift up your name to those around me and my own heart and life. You know, the Bible says if we have this hope within us that He is God, that I'm going to spend eternity with Him, I purify myself. I strive for purity because He's God. If He's really God in my life, I don't want to fail Him. I don't want to be walking in sin. I want to be as close to Him as possible so I will purify myself through the water of the Word by seeking Him. Paul is such a great example of of the believer and, and what we should be in our own lives and how we should strive to please God. Content in everything that He did except for this thing. He goes, I have not attained. He was content in his earthly life. And what God gave him, he was content with. But he was not content with his his knowledge of God. I have not attained, but I press for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God. He ran to win that race. Paul must have been an intense person. He was a loving, caring person, but he was intense. He was focused. Paul didn't sit around and talk about what the, uh, the Roman basketball team did that weekend. He, he was focused on serving God. My life is going to bring honor and glory to God. 
I pressed toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, and that was that I know Him, and that everyone who comes around me knows Him too. Gave the gospel to every person that he had opportunity. Because he understood God. Because he was not ashamed of the gospel and he didn't limit the power of God. It changed his worldview. He had a different idea of why he was living. It was not to be successful. It was not to be comfortable in this life. But simply to glorify God. Simply to glorify God. We need to have that worldview every single day of my life. You know what? God is to be glorified. If I die penniless, homeless, and, and of some terrible disease, He's still God. And I'm going to glorify Him with my life. Woe unto Him that says, Why did you make me this way? Back in our passage it says, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God. Look to me, depend upon me, and live your life for my glory. Christian, that is our obligation. It's our privilege and our obligation. Let's pray. Father, we just praise you tonight.